time for the Crash Report. Available on all podcast platforms. The Crash Report starts now. Yo, what's happening? This is episode number four of the Crash Report. I am Logan Crash, whatever the hell you want to call me. And of course, I'm here with Trent, the coral creature. Trent, what's going on, my man? Not much, dude. Episode four, we're here. You can watch the show on YouTube, the video version. You can also listen on Spotify, Apple Podcasts. And now, as of about, uh, I don't know, five, ten minutes ago, iHeartRadio. Woo! Finally, it's about time they got through. <laughs> yes. Now we are just waiting on Pandora and maybe Google. But we are pretty much everywhere. And now iHeart. So check it out. Uh, you can check out Coral Gaming on YouTube. That's K-O-R-L Gaming. Uh, you can watch Trent play little kids games. And coincidentally <laughs> now... Uh, don't get it mixed up. There's another channel called Coral Gaming, spelled the exact same way. Yeah, they just uppercased every single letter. For me, it's just K-O-R-L-G, gaming. And hilariously, the other Coral Gaming channel is a little kid <laughs> yeah. playing games. And Trent's channel is a, as an adult playing kids games. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> so uh, it's very ironic. But yes, Coral Gaming, the one with more subscribers. I, I did watch that. Did you watch that kid? Yeah, I watched him. <laughs> I left him an encouraging message, honestly. Like, I thought about it for like a day. I was like, here, I'm just going to be like as nice as I can to the kid. Like, yeah, man, I'm happier on YouTube, happier making a channel for Rocket League. But can you please change your name? <laughs> you didn't send him a cease and desist or something. Nah, not. You, you didn't call the uh, big bad Coral Gaming attorneys, huh? No, not yet. Not no. yet. Not yet. <laughs> When he when he turns a little when he gets a little older, I might have to do that though. If he keeps doing this. <laughs> when once he turns eighteen, you better watch out, pal. You got a lawsuit coming your way in about <laughs> ten years. Yeah, that's right. Uh, Joseph Rude, aka Eric Rowan, now Eric Redbeard, is on the show this week. Uh, we go over a lot of stuff. Talk about his release from the WWE, uh, his transition into acting, being a part of the Wyatt family, his come up into wrestling. We get to all that stuff and more. It really is a great interview, so make sure you stick around for that. Uh, Trent, did you have a, a good uh, weekend, a good week since we last did this, episode number three? Uh, yeah, it was all right, man. Nothing nothing too exciting. I might be starting at third shift job I told you about soon. Oh, did you get that job? Uh, it's I'm working on trying to get it. It's a f- factory job, right? Yeah, it's um, as, I, was, I would start as a machinist. Are you going to go back to your uh, day, regular day job at adult Chuck E. Cheese uh, <laughs> when the pandemic is over? Well, if I get this third shift job, no. <laughs> oh, you're going to keep that one instead. Yeah. Isn't this going to cut into your gaming schedule, though? Uh, I mean, it's I'm going to have to... I'm going to have to cut into it at some point. I'm still going to try to pump out, you know, three videos a week. We might be witnessing the end of Coral Gaming as we know it, the downfall. (laughs) Oh, no. No, 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 no. I've told myself I'm going to keep going even if, you know, once I start working again. Like, there's, I got to keep pushing through, man. Uh, Are you going to wait? Are you going to start that after the holidays or... I'm assuming you're not probably not going to start now. Yeah, yeah. I told I I told him like, hey, if I could start like once the new year hits, that would be great. Like, I see. Yeah. So we'll see. Uh, so last night uh, I went to this uh, Castle Noel. Have you heard of it? 
Castle Noel? Yes. No. I got to tell you, I was uh, I was a little on the fence about going. I was like, oh, my God, this sounds like it could be so lame. But it's uh, it's in Medina, Ohio, and it's a like a museum, a Christmas museum. So they have all sorts of like uh, costumes and, and props from like real the, the real costumes and props from big Christmas movies. Oh, that sounds pretty cool. Yeah, like they have the sleigh from the Grinch with Jim Carrey. Nice. Um, and shit like that. But, man, I got to tell you, I mean, it, it, is, it was a lot of fun. But, you know, it, uh, my kid was there, and there was two other kids with us, and it was it was a party of us. And, uh, you know, they, they, they kind of gear it towards kids. It's not geared towards kids, but I guess it's kind of marketed towards kids. I mean, it's, it's a Christmas thing. Obviously, it's. Yeah, it's uh, Christmas. Anything Christmas might be a little bit more for the kids. But, one, they play these fucking videos. Every time, because you go through like, I don't know, six or seven different tour guides. Every area you go to, there's a new tour guide Mm -hmm. and they make you watch a video. They'll be like, oh, we have uh, so-and-so's costume from this movie. Now let's watch a five minute scene where so-and-so is wearing (laughs) the costume. And it's like, oh my God, I I don't give a shit. Like, can you imagine going to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and, you know, you have to watch a five minute video of the the H band performing with whatever said costume or instrument. Right. It's fucking terrible. Like, especially for kids, a kid does not give two shits. But the best part of the whole thing was some of these tour guides. I mean, oh my God, they are so emotionless and, and monotone. They're trying to get you excited. And they have uh, nothing interesting. That they, they say things in the most boring way possible. If you're going to go do that job, you have to have a little bit of a charisma, I'd say. No, well, we went to, there's this uh, one area, uh, an, the elf area, the movie with Will Ferrell, elf. Okay. And they have like his costume and a bunch of stuff from the movie. And they have another costume and she's like, well, you probably don't recognize this costume because it's from a deleted scene. So now we'll watch the scene. Right. <laughs> so we watched this scene. It's like them playing ice hockey or something. And she goes, yeah, I don't know why that's a deleted scene because it's absolutely hilarious. <laughs> I'm like, oh yeah, you obviously think it's fucking hilarious. I mean, she seems so bored, but then we get to this part. There's a, uh, they, uh, they, so they go to like New York, mm-hmm. uh, and they get the, um, window displays from like the big department stores like Macy's and, and Saks Fifth Avenue or whatever, and they they buy out these window displays. Okay. So they had this whole row of, like, Nutcracker-themed windows, and there's, like, four or five, and they're, like, telling each window, like, the whole thing tells a story. So you got, like, mm. window one is the first part, window two, blah, blah, blah. Okay. And the guy is, like, telling this story, and, you know, he's just telling the story like this, no emotion. And we get to the very end, and he goes, well, as you know, every story needs to have a happy ending. So here's your happy ending to your happy story. And it's like, oh, <laughs> way to get the fucking crowd amped up, man. I mean, goddamn, these kids are so pumped. Oh, yeah. You, know, you made them so excited. <laughs> but then uh, there's this, uh, you go into this little theater and you sit down and you watch the owner. Uh, the owner's got this huge beard. He looks like the real life Santa Claus. Mm. and he did like a parody uh, music video of uh, Let It Go from Frozen, okay. you know, where he's acting all goofy or whatever. Uh-huh. And uh, before they played the video, this is the same tour guide from the from the Nutcracker area. He goes, all right, this next video, uh, you, you probably know the song because uh, you've probably seen the movie. But even if you haven't seen the movie, you probably know the song because it was overplayed in 2013. <laughs> and I'm just like, oh, can you not show any fucking emotion? I mean, but then, you you know, early on, you have these guys 
that are so fucking stoked to be there. Yeah. And they're, I mean, everything is, the, oh, we got the fucking RV from Christmas vacation and, and this is so great, blah, blah, blah. You know, and, and then you got these guys that just talk like this the whole time. And, uh, but it was the ones that were all monotone were the kids like working, you know, it's like their seasonal job and uh, they don't want to fucking be there. And okay. That makes sense. <laughs> but I don't know. I mean, why would you, uh, if you have, if you lack the emotion like that, if you lack that charisma, why would you even get a fucking job? Uh, working there in the first place. Maybe, maybe their parents just forced them to get the job, so they're just like sitting there like, oh, all right, fuck my life here. Yeah, here's all this Christmas shit. Hope you enjoy. <laughs> I guess, but I don't know. Even if I didn't want to get a job, I feel like there'd just be a cool job being around movie props all day. You would think. I, I mean, if you're there every single day for eight hours a day, would, would it still be the same feeling, you think, though? I mean, I I don't know. I, I just I think it'd be, I mean, who wouldn't want to be like, yeah, I, I show people the elf costume all day. I mean, that's fucking cool. I mean, that's a cool job. Yeah, you And would. it takes zero effort. All you had to do is put in a little energy. I mean, the Nutcracker thing, I mean, every story needs a happy ending. I think that guy <laughs> needs a happy ending. I'll tell you that much. Uh, <laughs> uh, you know, so we, uh, we seem to always talk about OnlyFans yeah. on this show. We spent uh, quite a bit of time a couple episodes ago talking about Belle Delphine and all that crazy shit with her. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm sure you're well aware of uh, Bella Thorne, the former Disney star. Oh, yeah. I'm sure you remember the controversy uh, from August mm-hmm. uh, with the, when she joined OnlyFans. And I guess uh, I didn't realize this, but she caused the website to crash. Yeah. Um, I did not know that. She caused a bunch of shit to happen because of this, apparently. <laughs> well, she gets on there, generates a million dollars on her first day, two million dollars yep. by the end of the first week. And, uh, you know, I guess at the time, a lot of uh, other Only, uh, OnlyFans members, you know, were like, well, she's already wealthy. She doesn't need the money, and, you know, and, and they thought that her joining OnlyFans would maybe uh, push other celebrities to, to join as well. Okay. But I don't really understand that because how would that really take away uh, from an independent uh, content creator on there? Well, because I don't think it's like, uh, it's not like YouTube or something where things get suggested to you, mm-hmm. uh, right? I think you have to find whoever it is you're looking for on there, right? Uh. From what I know, they'll have a suggestion thing. It's like, oh, here, there's this person you might be interested in. Like, they'll always, like, show a little showcase. And they're, like, they got to promote something because, you know, uh, OnlyFans is getting a portion of every every subscription. But, I, I, okay, if you joined OnlyFans right now, are they really going to promote your fucking page? Me? <laughs> yeah. Like, I mean, that's what I'm saying. I mean, all these independent people freaking out that she was on there and, it was going to take away from the independence or whatever. I, I just don't see how that would even be well, a problem. It, well, it looks bad when a millionaire goes on there and charges 25 bucks a month. And it's like, they don't need the money, but all these girls that are on OnlyFans probably actually do need right, the but money. But how is that taking anything away from them? Because it, if they're, if a person's already spending 25 bucks on her, they probably aren't going to sub to anybody else. Yes, but how would they find said people anyways? You never know. You never know. Uh, what do you mean? I, you, I don't, you don't go on OnlyFans and it's like, oh, hey, here's uh, Coral Creatures OnlyFans. It's only five bucks a month. I mean, they're just not going to show that. And you know how many millions of girls you, 
are on OnlyFans? Yeah, but you never know. Like they said, like I said, they have to push other accounts. Like they have to push so- somehow. They have to advertise in some sort of way. Right, but they're not going to advertise the little baby accounts anyways. Even if you were independent, they're probably going to only advertise the bigger independent accounts. Yeah, I don't know. That. I mean, I'm not an expert, but I don't. I, I guess I th- that part of the backlash, I, I don't understand. I do understand the backlash of the. I think she like inboxed all of her followers and was like, here's a nude photo for 200 bucks or whatever. And then people bought it and it turned out that it wasn't nude or whatever. Yeah. That's that a- makes sense. But her joining, I, I don't see the problem in that. Well, you maybe it's not, that's not the problem, but even so it's just like, that's kind of a little bit of a dick move to start an only fans and you're not even going to reveal yourself, even though you portray yourself as a slut anyways. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, but only fans isn't a porno site. I mean, it's the, turned into that. It well, it's turned into that, but it's not, I don't. That's not the goal. It's not like Pornhub or RedTube. But she's already she's already in the porn industry. She's directed porns. I, that that I did not know. Yeah, she she released her first uh, porn. I think this year she directed it. Are you sure? I'm like confident, like ninety nine. I find sure. it interesting that you're saying directing. By yeah, the way, yeah, she she didn't she didn't she wasn't in the film, but she directed. She the film. directed it. She yeah. directed the film. Yes. I've never heard somebody say directed. That directed the directed. Film. Directed, whatever. Well, I don't know. Maybe you could go on there and find the first porno that Bella, uh, Bella Thorne directed. Uh, <laughs> Look it up, man. It's, no, it's, I'm I, not no. talking shit. <laughs> it's, I'm making fun of the word uh, direct. Directed. <laughs> uh, no, I know she did. She had a video uh, for her. Uh, she had like two songs. The most recent one was some song called Stupid Fucking Bitch that she put the video on OnlyFans first because she said her body is, quote, too much for Instagram. Um, and she did that with another video early on, but, um, anyways, she's now facing backlash again. Uh, have you seen the, uh, recent post on her Instagram story? Yeah. Basically she's like, I didn't do anything wrong. Like fuck off everybody that thinks I did. Yes. If you haven't seen it, maybe you could let Trent, uh, direct you (laughs) to Bella Thorne's Instagram. Yeah, it's a, she posted on her story, everyone jumping on OnlyFans, but I took the hit for doing it first. Cool. And then she posted, legit, everyone in my newsfeed following in my footsteps, but when I was getting heat, y'all were scared. Tell me if I was, I'm wrong. She did this originally, she said, as an experiment for a movie that she's trying to make. Uh, you know, I don't know off the top of my head, but that does actually sound familiar. I thought that's what the reason was. And that, that also looks shitty as fuck. It's like, oh, you had to do all this just for an experiment. <laughs> well, and she's also not the first celebrity to join. I mean, mm-hmm. Cardi B was on there. Black China was on there. There's been a number of people on there. What are their prices? Do they ever reveal themselves? Like, I don't know. That I don't know. Yeah, I, I mean, I didn't go down the OnlyFans rabbit hole. Did I. I mean, I, I don't care that much. But uh, no, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I, Bella Thorne seems uh, kind of like a bitch. I mean, I agree with you. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I didn't even uh, recall the, the experiment thing of why she got on there in the first place. I didn't even, uh, I, I remember hearing about that now, but it totally slipped my mind until now. Yeah, yeah, that's what I remember from August. It feels like yesterday, honestly. Well, you know, she's, I mean, causing a bunch of waves, uh, very similar to Belle Delphine. But, mm. you know, Belle Delphine, uh, I would say is, uh, well, in one, in interviews, she seems like an actual, like a regular person. Mm-hmm. Got her head on straight. She's just like a marketing <laughs> genius. Bella Thorne just seems fucking batshit crazy. Yeah. I could agree with that. And I don't even know. Uh, I know she was in that Disney show or whatever. I, I'd never even seen it. I, I'd never even heard of her. 
until I started hearing about the OnlyFans stuff. Is her and Zendaya? Is that is that the other girl's name that was part of that show? What is it? Zendaya. Zendaya. I think uh, maybe. So. I, 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 I could be butchering her name. Who the hell is Zendaya? Is she another actress or something? So yeah, she's the other actress that uh, she was part of on that Disney show. What was it? Shake It Up? Is that the show? Yeah, I think that. I think that's what it was. Yeah, I've never seen it. No. Every time I see Shake It Up, I, my mind always reverts to Taylor Swift's Shake It Off or whatever. <laughs> I, I I remember it just being like okay back then. Like I didn't get into it all. I well, I'm surprised because you're such a fan of of uh, kids shit. I'm so I'm shocked. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, what's that? What's the most recent Coral Gaming video? Nicktoons basketball or something? Yeah, Nicktoons basketball. <laughs> so I'm surprised you uh, weren't uh, into all those uh, Disney Channel shows. I was always a Nickelodeon guy and Cartoon t- Cartoon Network. Disney. Well, you still are, right? I mean, I still love cartoons. I, I like the old stuff nowadays. Like They just don't feel the same, but I love all those old cartoons. No, I've seen recent Nickelodeon cartoons, and they fucking suck. Okay, good. So it's not just me getting old. <laughs> they oh, they're suck. trash. They're fucking trash. I mean, they, they really are. When I was a kid, the uh, God, I sound so fucking old. But when I was a kid, those were the best Nickelodeon cartoons. Mm-hmm. I mean, Rugrats and, and SpongeBob and CatDog and all that shit was fucking great. Yeah, it's like it's been said like the 90s were like the golden era of cartoons, right? That's what I would think. Oh, that I don't know. I mean, I, I guess I would figure probably like the Looney Tunes would probably be like the golden era of cartoons. I mean, maybe for our generation, I guess. I mean, every '90s kid, it's like you—you you mentioned cartoons, and then I just like, oh, yes, I love those cartoons from the '90s. <laughs> uh, but back to OnlyFans, do you think it could hurt a celebrity's career being on OnlyFans? Uh, is it is it is it a bad look? Does it make now? I I know I was arguing with you earlier about her going on there because she's a millionaire, or whatever, and I. I Yes, she probably does not need the money. I don't have a problem with her going on there. Mm-hmm. But, uh, oh, geez. Sorry. Oh, look at you being professional over there. Oh, sorry about that. Come on, Dude, man. Let me turn this off. Um, <laughs> does it hurt their, does it damage their credibility? It's one thing to go on there um, because you need the money. I guess it is another thing to go on there when you don't need the money. But I don't have a problem if you want to, you know, sell tit pics uh what the hell do i care but do you think it uh does it make them appear to be desperate mm, i i wouldn't i wouldn't say so because no. i i don't think you're gonna find uh, you're ever gonna find an a-list uh celebrity an a-lister on only fans you don't think so no uh do you i mean after seeing what bell how much uh money uh bella thorne made Maybe. But is it a sign that you can't get other opportunities? I wouldn't say so. Is it similar to Cameo? You're familiar with the website Cameo. Yeah. Uh, If you're unfamiliar, which uh, I don't know how you're not, but it's a website you go and you pay. uh, I mean, there's a ton of celebrities on there. And you pay them X amount of dollars to do um, a personalized video for you. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, and in a way that almost seems, I mean, similar to OnlyFans, to me, it does appear gimmicky. I don't think it's gimmicky. Well, you know, I, I read this article that, uh, I, I think, uh, for the, this year, 2020, uh, Brian Baumgartner, I think was like the highest, uh, 
the highest earning uh, person on Cameo. That's uh, Kevin Malone from The Office. Okay. And I guess he made over a million dollars off of Cameo. That's impressive. That is impressive. I think he's charging like $165 per video. I mean, you do the math. That is a lot. I mean, it's probably a full-time job at that point. Right. But similar to a lot of office actors, and I love The Office. I mean, no disrespect to anybody on that show, but it seems like uh, most of them, except for Steve Carell, uh, John Krasinski, and Rain Wilson, it, it seems like the majority of the rest of them are living off of The Office. Like I haven't seen them in hardly anything. Maybe if they're doing something, it's like a. I mean, Steve Carell did a bunch of shit other than The Office. That's why I said Steve, Car- except for oh, Steve Carell. Sorry, sorry. Yes, yes. <laughs> My bad. It helps if you listen. Um, you know, but they don't do anything. I mean, uh, Jenna Fisher, who plays Pam in The Office, and Angela Kinsey, who plays Angela, they have a podcast. Okay. Called Office Ladies. Are you have, are you familiar with the podcast? No, if I'm being honest, man, I'm, I was never an Office fan. I, oh, my God. <laughs> I am one of the few that just didn't give a shit about The Office. <laughs> uh, you really are missing out. It is a great show. But, you know, they uh, those, those two, are they have a podcast called Office Ladies where each episode, uh, basically they go through The Office in chronological order. Mm-hmm. So episode one of the podcast is about episode one of the show. Episode okay. two of the podcast, episode two of the show. Oh. And they t- and it's, uh, I mean, it's cool mm-hmm. if you're a diehard Office fan. Yeah, def- definitely. But the, <laughs> you all right there, buddy? <laughs> yeah, that's so you're amazing. choking on something. No, it is burping. Well, take a drink. Just make sure you don't uh, <laughs> slurp into the microphone again. I'm like trying not week. to, man. <laughs> uh, I had somebody message me about that and say, God, that was fucking gross. Oh, bullshit. I swear to God. <laughs> yeah. I swear to God. They said that, that motherfucker should know better. And I said, I agree. I don't know why he would slurp right into the mic. I want, I want to see that text. <laughs> it wasn't a text. It was on the phone. You said it was a message. <laughs> oh, well, whatever. It was on the phone. <laughs> okay. It was on the phone. It was Steven. Oh. It was my buddy Steven, who, who was an avid fan of the show. He even told me, when I told him I was going to do a podcast, he couldn't quite understand the concept of what we were trying to do. And the other day, he's like, man, I got to tell you, I, uh, man, I'm like kind of bummed out. I don't have any more episodes to listen to. <laughs> so uh you know well that's it, good to hear i guess that's yes but he did call you out for slurping well that's for steven <laughs> oh my god uh but no i i you know so brian Baumgartner, who played kevin was the biggest earner on cameo this year and i think that proves the point of a lot of these guys like from the office which is a great example because a lot of them are still focused like their their lives are based off of the office I mean, he was just in a fucking, he was in a, a commercial making chili, you know, and his, with this famous scene of him dropping the pot of chili. See, The Office to me is just all memes because that's the, that's the most I've seen of The Office is the memes on like Facebook and stuff. Right, but he he just did a commercial with the pot of chili and then he did another commercial. He He's a drummer in the show and he did a commercial where he's playing the drums, which you may have seen. Mm-hmm. Um you know, so I guess it's just, uh, I don't know. It's like Cameo and OnlyFans, the place to go when you have nowhere else to turn to. I don't know if it's desperate because, I mean, the office is so big, it's like you can't escape it anyways. You know, everybody will know you as that from the office. You don't think it's a little gimmicky, though? I mean. I think it's, I think that's just. I a, mean, I guess I just feel like you're kind of pigeonholing yourself at that point. How so? Like, uh We'll use uh, Kevin from The Office as an example again. 
I mean, that guy has such a, uh, what's the word? I mean, he's just got that look. You look at him and you know exactly who he is. Uh-huh. You know, and I, I feel like um, that's just not a good place to be in your career. Uh, almost like a one-hit wonder. You know what I mean? I mean, if you could... I, I mean, do we know for sure that he's not seeking like other work? Is he just like... But that's what I'm saying. <laughs> that's the point I'm making. <laughs> if he's seeking, he ain't getting it. So he's on cameo. I don't think it's desperate. It's like, man, if you could live your whole life just because you did that one thing, like fucking good for you. Like, I'm not going to. I mean, I guess it just doesn't seem very fulfilling to me. I don't know. I mean, I mean like Bella Thorne. I mean, do you really think you think she's going to get a bunch of work after uh, all this controversy and OnlyFans? I kind of believe in the theory of, you know, like, you know, as long as people are talking about you, it don't matter what it is. It's good. Like all, uh, unless you're trapped, <laughs> unless you're trapped, but like all, like all promotion is good promotion. You know what I mean? Kind of. Yeah. I mean, to a degree, but I don't know. I mean, if the world's talking about you, the world's talking about you and anything you do, they're going to have their eyes on. Yeah. But I mean, do you see them trying to cast uh Bella Thorne in some big blockbuster film? I mean, I, I don't not with this only stuff going on. I don't know. I think the OnlyFans is becoming more just a regular thing out there. And it's just like, I don't think anybody's going to give a shit at, at some point. Well, speaking of cameo, uh, Smokey Robinson, world famous uh, musician. Uh, he recently did a cameo and it's, uh, it went viral uh, because he had a, a horrible uh, mispronunciation of a word. Is it worse than my directed? <laughs> well, I, I don't know. I mean, maybe somebody with like an accent might say direct, but uh yeah th- this is pretty bad uh because he mispronounces he's wishing somebody uh to, he's telling them to have a happy holiday a happy hanukkah oh okay. have you ever seen hanukkah spelled with a c yes you have yes okay so if you would see the word you would know that it's hanukkah yeah probably only because i've seen it all right well let's uh let's let's take a look at Smokey robinson here hey marco how you doing Surprise, surprise. This is Smokey Robinson. I know you didn't expect to hear from me. This is so funny. I was contacted by your sons, Jeff and Jarrah. And they wanted me, they told me that you used to live in Detroit across the street from me. This is so funny, I swear to God. beautiful. (laughs) Um, How are you doing again? (laughs) Nice talking to you again, I guess. But anyway, you're living in Vancouver now. And they wanted me to wish you happy Chinooka. (laughs) I have no idea what Chinooka is. But happy Chinooka. Happy Chinooka. <laughs> they said so. Anyway, God bless you, babe. And enjoy Chinooka. <laughs> oh, my God. I'm never going to pronounce Hanukkah like that again. It's Chinooka. <laughs> happy Chinooka. Oh, my God. I, I can't believe that. I mean, this guy, oh this guy is 80 years old. And uh, I just don't know how you go through your entire life uh, not knowing... That it's fucking Hanukkah. I, I don't know, man. I mean, 80 years old. Happy Chinooka. <laughs> Have a great Chinooka. That uh, is fucking awesome. <laughs> I guess he he, uh, he tweeted at the, the guy that set that up, set that cameo up. Mm-hmm. And uh, he said, uh, the guy's name was Jeff. And he goes, hey, Jeff, in the spirit of 2020, I'm going to need a do-over. Please DM your mother's phone number so we can try this again. <laughs> It's just funny. It reminds me of the, uh, it's still not as bad as, as the Vince Neil one from, I don't know, it was maybe earlier this year, I think. Uh, have you heard that one? I'm pretty sure I have. Oh, my God. <laughs> Let's take a look. If you haven't uh, 
If you haven't heard this, we're going to throw this one up on the screen, too. This is fucking classic. Here we go. <laughs> Hey Decker, this is Vince Neil. I want to say, uh, yeah. mind, mind you, he says, "Hey Decker." The guy's name is Derek. <laughs> and you know what? Before, actually, let me let me read you what it's what he's supposed to be saying. Okay, and then we'll listen to what he actually says. So he's supposed to say, "Happy fortieth birthday to Derek from Christian Mom Tanya, Ethan, and Blake." Shout at the devil to start off this new decade and take the opportunity to kickstart your auto search and sales. Listen to the doctor and feel good about the big 4-0 in 2020. All right, so we already, uh, let, me, let me back this up a little bit. We, we know that he calls Derek Decker, but it gets so much better. Here we go. Hey, Decker, this is Vince Neal. I want to say uh, happy birthday, brother. Uh, this is actually from uh, uh, Christian, Mom, Ethan, and Blake. So uh, keep on rocking, shout the devil, and, uh, and do yeah, do some feel good stuff in four, in big old, big old four row, you man. All right, see you later. Oh my god, he just uh, he totally fucking loses it at the end. I mean, oh my god, so he's so fucked up when he's doing that, and I, I don't know how much he's charging. I, I, I think Vince Neil charges at least a few hundred dollars for a cameo. I mean, I'd say bare minimum a hundred. I would be so pissed. I mean, although I don't know. I mean, it is, uh, it's funny, but God, I, I'd be a little irritated if they were that fucked up or they're doing a cameo. Are they, or I've never, I've never paid for a cameo, obviously, but are you allowed to like ask like, Hey man, can you do that over? Like that was terrible. Are you uh, allowed to ask that as the person paying for it? I would think, I mean, I guess I would think it's probably similar to buying something off the, I mean, it's, you're buying something online. I mean, it's like eBay or something, I guess if you're uh-huh. unhappy with it, but you would hope. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't know because uh, part of me would be like I'd be a little agitated if it turned out like that. But another part of me is like, this is gold. <laughs> oh, this is fucking great. Because I mean, when that came out, that one made the new, similar to the the Smokey Robinson and Chinooka. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, that one, uh, th- that one's making the rounds, and it's it, it would be funny to to be a part of something like that. I guess. I mean, I guess so. It's not, Vince Neil drunk is just the best thing. I, I really hope if they end up touring next summer, I, I really hope that he gets his shit together and doesn't sound fucking terrible again, like uh, I've been used to for the past 12 years. Oh, yeah. I mean, same here. I told you, like, the last one that I saw, he was actually pretty good. I thought he was good at the queue, but at Blossom, there's probably a reason why his mic was turned so far down. <laughs> well, it's, you know, it's not as bad when you're there. Uh, and, and I love Motley Crue, but I, I mean, that's the worst fucking live band I've ever seen. I love sending you that video every time I see it of Vince just sounding like an absolute dipshit. Oh my God. It's horrible. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't know how the rest of the guys in the band can make it through without laughing. Like, <laughs> I mean, I would just be laughing like, dude, you sound horrible, like bad, bad. And I think at some point it's just like, especially if they're like taking it super seriously, they just kind of just roll the eyes and just do their part and just go on their own tour bus. Like, all right, fuck these guys. I guess, but I, I don't know. Apparently though, he is in much better shape and, but we'll see this pandemic. I'm sure did not help. Yeah. Who, who knows? Uh, you can watch the show on YouTube, the video version. You can listen on Spotify, Apple podcasts, now iHeartRadio, and a number of other places. Uh, we will get to the Joseph Rude interview. That's Eric Rowan, formerly of the WWE, now wrestling under the name Eric Redbeard. Uh, we'll get to that right now, and we will be right back on the Crash Report. Hang on. 
Be sure to like and subscribe to the show to keep these guys from having to get real jobs. Back now to the motherfucking Crash Report. All right, we are back here on the Crash Report with uh, Joseph Rude, a.k.a. Eric Rowan. Uh, what's going on, my man? Uh, not much, man. Hanging in there like the rest of the world, you know? I was uh, expecting you to wear a uh, metal T-shirt today, and you did not disappoint with the Cannibal Corpse shirt. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, so now you're going under the name uh, Eric Redbeard. I would imagine, uh, while it's you know probably not the most ideal situation to have to change your name, it probably hasn't caused too much confusion uh, or lack of awareness due to your uh, appearance. Yeah. That, that is true. Uh it's a pretty easy transition to get pretty, you know, you know, Eric, uh, Redbeard is a take on, I have a lot of Viking ancestors, uh, through, through my life. So, uh, like Eric, the red, I was banished from a, a major, you know, company, a major, uh, major place and off to make a name for himself in a, in a mighty world way beyond what that company is. Well, what have you been uh, doing during the pandemic and, and since your uh, release from WWE? Uh, enjoying a lot of time with family. Uh, we, we used to travel, you know, 200 days a year, maybe even more um, doing live shows um, outside of just uh, the stuff you see on television. Uh, so to have just a break from that felt so great. Um, especially after I got released, I went and filmed a movie. So I was gone for almost five weeks from my family and to come back from that and just be able to be home and kind of just make my own schedule as to whatever appears is, has been great, you know, just for my own psyche, um, at home with the family. Um, obviously now it's going out a little bit longer than everyone likes and, uh, you want to get out there and do things. And, uh, you know, there's really not a whole lot of time for that. Um, fortunately, um, with all this time, you know, you can prepare yourself for what comes next. Yeah. I, you know, I, I don't know, I guess I, I don't mean to speculate here, but it does kind of feel like we're on the home stretch, uh, of this pandemic in a way. Knock on wood. We, we hope, right. <laughs> uh, yeah. The movie, uh, it's uh, ghost of the Ozark, correct? Yes. How did that? Uh, how did that all come about? I mean, uh, you know, obviously, I would assume with, you know, wrestling and the more so the performance aspect of it, uh, you know, obviously, I guess that's kind of dipping your toes into acting. But uh, how did how did all that come about? Uh, it's actually really funny. I actually went out and uh, um, talked about doing headshots, getting an agent, probably like maybe about three or four months before I got my release. Uh, it just kind of all kind of fell into place. I was actually already looking into it. I was taking acting classes, uh, just trying to broaden, you know, things for the future. And, uh, the day after my release, I got a call, uh, from David Arquette of all people, uh, who is one of the producers and um, one of the, one of the, um, stars in the movie. And I guess he had me in mind for this role since the beginning, but, with WWE, you know, being very hard to deal with traditionally, um, trying to get people to do things outside of that company. Uh, he didn't want to waste the time, but when he found out I was free, um, he jumped at the chance and he's always wanted to 
help people when he can. So, and this is the day after your release that he called you. The day after my release. Oh my so. god, that's crazy. It was great to get bad news with good news. Plus, uh, doing this movie got me um, into the SAG union, which has helped me get many auditions afterward too, and helping me get my foot through the door um, doing something besides wrestling um, during this, you know, crazy pandemic. When does the uh, movie come out? Um, I, I know it's in post-production. I think they're, um, I follow up with their Instagram every now and then, um, HCT media, um, kind of posts, um, the status of what's going on with that film. I think they're in the stage of working on the compositions and getting that all ready. So I know, uh, sometime early, mid 2021. Is this a, like a theatrical release or is this going to be like, go straight to a streaming service? Uh, I know they had plans for uh, some sort of festivals and stuff, but uh, with the world the way it is, I guess we'll see whether that's in-person festivals or not non-in-person festivals. What's, but, a, uh, what's your role in the in the film? As much as you can um, say, I can't really say too much about it, except for it's uh, not the typical thing you're used to seeing me as. It's not the Eric Rowan character at all. Uh, you'll see many different sides to me. And I think that's what intrigued me most about playing this role. Cause it's something that's outside of my comfort zone. And I have to dig deep within myself um, to portray this character. And I'm very proud of what I accomplished, but uh, it was very, very awesome to be around um, very talented people um, that were in the movie too. So David Arquette had you in mind for this role. I mean, I, I assumed you still had to audition and everything, though. Uh, I had to talk with uh, the directors, Jordan Long and Matt Glass, and get them all on board as well. So, But um, I, I think uh, it just all worked out. And It's got to be uh, – I'm sure it has to uh, – what's the word? I guess it would have to be very nerve-wracking, I'm, I'm sure, going from – you know, being a wrestler, you know, going from the ring to the camera in an acting sense uh, had to be quite a departure from what you were used to. Um, it's a departure, but, um, and pressure. Um, but again, everyone around me was so talented. Uh, it made it really easy to get lost in what I was doing. And it made me oddly comfortable, you know, comfortable doing what I was doing. Uh, I, I guess I, prepared myself a lot for it, but even, you know, with wrestling, you prepare and you prepare and nothing prepares you until you're on set. So the, the fact that, uh, I got to learn, I guess, from a lot of very talented people, you know, helped, uh, again, res wrestling is, you know, my, my first love and I'm always going to want to go back to it. I actually went and wrestled in LA for Dave Marquez's, uh, UWN promotion. They do a weekly pay-per-view. And I worked, uh, old coworker, Fred Rouser used to wrestle as Darren Young. And, you know, it was like, I had never left first match in eight months and it, it felt like I'd never left. Uh, but it's, I just like to be on, on camera and just, uh, do, doing, uh, whatever is asked of me. And that's always been, been what I've brought it myself in is, you know, with, WWE, it could be the most ridiculous day at work where I'm carrying a cage <laughs> or uh, um, actually having, you know, you know, a couple pages of dialogue to have to to perform, you know, live for a crowd. Like, it doesn't matter what I'm doing. I try to do it to the best of my ability. And 
um, I don't think fans often realize how stressful working in an environment like that is, um, especially when you're not always able to uh, get feedback. With a movie, uh, you can bring certain different things and get feedback whether or not they like it. You can get it. How about I try it this way and stuff like that. When you, when you're doing it in front of a live crowd and you get one shot and Vince is usually calling the shots. Uh, you don't have the opportunity always because Vince isn't always there to try to change things. And uh, you have to do it one way. And you, sometimes it's an audience of one over there and uh, it's less of a collaboration. Uh, so it's, uh, you know, it's, it's completely different worlds, but uh, it was strangely familiar. Well, I would imagine the the biggest similarity between uh, wrestling and, and acting and, and film would a lot of it I, I would think is probably feeding off, uh, you know, in film you're feeding off the other actors, uh, you know, in wrestling you're feeding off the the fans uh, when we're not in a pandemic, you know, or the other wrestlers or things like that. Yeah, um, it's it's definitely interesting uh, the the two the two differences like going out. You know, like, let's say I'm out in the middle of the ring with The Rock at WrestleMania, you know, 100 plus thousand people, you know, cheering. You, you, you hear that, you feel that energy, and it gives you a certain kind of high, a certain kind of uh, accomplishment, you know. But then on the flip side, let's uh, I did this movie and there was a very emotional scene that I had to get lost in. And when I, when I finished the scene, you know, I couldn't get out of it and I still felt all these emotions. And when I finished and everything was done and I finished all my takes and I was emotionally drained and everything goes on to film, that same level of accomplishment and that high you feel being in a ring with hundred thousand people. I felt that. So to me that being in a room with like three or four people or being with a hundred thousand people, I got that same feeling. And that's when I realized I don't need to wrestle, but feel that like I found something to have the, that feeling, that 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 uh, sense of accomplishment within myself. Well, and that's great because I, I feel like oftentimes, uh, I mean, sometimes people go through their entire life, uh, maybe not even finding, uh, you know, one thing that they, you know, where they feel like a natural high. And, uh, you know, the fact that, that you found, you know, two things is, is absolutely amazing. Um, but let's go back to, uh, the, the beginning of everything. So you didn't get, uh, into wrestling that much until you were in, uh, high school, right? Uh, yeah. Well, you know, my parents, you know, they got the toys. I remember having the rubber, you know, like toys and like the birthday cake when I was like really little, like with the licorice ropes, like I remember that, but I don't remember just like watching it being excited about it i think my parents had like a party at my uncle's house where they got like the closed circuit wrestlemania but all of us kids were just playing in the backyard we didn't we didn't care so it wasn't until like you know senior year of high school college i started like watching you know like the uh, the pay-per-views that they would have every month and we'd have like little parties at you know my friend's house and We'd all, you know, gather around and watch the, the next uh, pay-per-view. And, you know, it was a very exciting time. So that was like uh, 2000, 2001. So it was like really cool to see that kind of stuff. And I think I was playing football at the time in college and I got a respiratory virus and kind of down on myself. And 
um, I got, uh, you know, overweight. I just was, was feeling really, really down. And I think, uh, wrestling kind of gave me an escape of something to do. We had went to an indie show and it was, uh, Eddie Sharkey was putting it on with Terry Fox. And I remember watching the show and thinking, you know, I think I can do something like that. I remember specifically Jerry Lynn being on the show and he just had won the WWF light, you know, cruiserweight championship the night before. So he was just finishing up obligations. So I was like seeing all these guys and I'm like, you know, I, I think I could do this. It, so much to my mother's chagrin, I quit college to pursue professional wrestling. And that started in 2002-ish. Well, you know, I guess I, I could imagine, a, you know, parents being frustrated that you would quit school. But, you know, were they at least, uh, you know, mildly supportive when you decided, like, you know what, I, I think I want to try wrestling as, a, as an actual career? Uh, I made a deal with her that I would try some community college while I did it. So, you know, I got a job. So you got to support yourself. I worked at a gentleman's club. I, uh, <laughs> what, what were you, what were you doing? Were you I'm, a bouncer? I'm sure, I'm sure my mother was very proud of me doing that too. I don't, <laughs> I don't know. Were you a bouncer uh, there or? I, I was a, I was a bouncer doorman. Oh, okay. I, I, worked, I worked there on and off for like five years. Uh, paid the bills. That's all I got to say. Sure. Sure. Uh, but I, uh, you know, I tried doing a semester of community college while training to be a professional wrestler, while working at the gentleman's club, uh, while trying to fix my diet and lifestyle uh, because I'd gained so much weight. It was you know, you, when you have like a respiratory virus or some something wrong with you, you start to get depressed. And I basically took this this love for wrestling uh, and kind of turned it into this is what I'm going to do and I'm not going to take no and I'm going to keep going. Obviously it takes a while with, with anything it takes, it takes time to, well, yeah, because it was almost, it was almost yeah. 10 years uh, until you got into, I guess at the time it was FCW, but it was what, eight, 10 years, something like that. Right. Oh, Oh yeah. And there were dips that, and reasons why things didn't work out and that I wouldn't change. Because, uh, you know, but I changed my body. I had my first match and, you know, I was hooked, um, dropped out of community college, just worked and did, did, did matches, you know, um, and I was kind of in the same spot, you know, not really improving. You think you are, but you get to a certain point where you work the same guys every weekend and you're not going to get any better. You know, I was in Minnesota, Wisconsin. That's not too many guys to be working. And if you're there for three, four years, you're not going to get any better. You're going to get stuck in your ways. You're going to, you need to expand. You need to work as many people as possible to get better. And that's not something I learned until a little bit later. Uh, but in 2006, um, I decided to actually spend some money outside of the initial, you know, training to be a wrestler. And I went with uh, Dinty Moore. Um, out of Wisconsin, who's uh, I think is with ROH now, um, Beer City Bruiser, and I went down to Harley Races Camp in Eldon, Missouri, um, to pay money for a, a week long training camp. And out of that training camp, I was um, signed to go to NOAA for a three month, uh, basically dojo stay. So I went and lived in Japan for three months and got to learn 
those ways, do a couple tours when I was out there. Uh, when I came back to the States, Harley had wanted me to, you know, move out to Missouri, which, you know, in retrospect would have been the best decision to get me on the road the quickest with WWE yeah. uh, or to continue working with Japan. Uh, but unfortunately, I had a, a son and I can't say unfortunately, but at the, the timing at the time wasn't the best. Uh, sure. No, that's completely understandable. And I say the unfortunate part uh, because um, his biological mother uh, did something horrible uh, and um, had locked him in a car and uh, went to go steal drugs from a hospital. Oh, my God. <laughs> so she was out of the picture and now I was a single father. So you're trying to make it as a, a wrestler and make a career out of this, and you're you're raising a kid all by yourself. Yes. Um, so then, you know, you, you try to make it work, and, you know, you're stuck back in Minnesota because you're not able to travel every week. You know, you've got to get a regular job. So you're working to, you know, support um, my son. And... Uh, for the longest time, because that was 2007, I did the, the Japan thing, and 2008, 2009, 2010, I basically was just raising my son and uh, just trying to have a life and wrestle on the weekends for fun. And um, I did a reality show in Norway um, in 2010, just off a whim. Uh, it was a local radio station was saying there was a, um, if you have Norwegian blood in you and you've never been to Norway and you want to meet your family, um, come for this amazing race style, um, TV show. So I, uh, auditioned and got the, the part in the show. And, you know, three months I lived out in Norway filming the series, which was aired on their, um, major network out there, TV in Norway. And, when I, I on that show, um, my 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 gimmick was basically myself, and I was a wrestler supporting my child. Uh, so when I came back from that, things just started to fall in place. Where I saw um, FCW at the time was uh, basically what NXT is now. It was the developmental for the WWE, and I had taken another chance just like I did on the show. And, um, I signed up for that. Um, and next thing I know, I had a week long tryout and I was flown out to Florida. Um, and I had a place to live and that's how I got signed to the WWE. So you, uh, like submitted yourself, essentially, they didn't come to you. Uh, you came uh, to them. I, I submitted myself. I think uh, I had done extra work before. Um, I'll never forget it. Uh, I It was like 2008. They had come to Minnesota. It was the last time I had ever talked to them. And um, I had a match on the fly with the kid. And I remember specifically uh, Barry Darso's kid was there too. And uh, he got signed out of that. And I remember specifically because uh, Barry Darso um, – this kid was uh, pointed at and said, okay, you're going to get in the ring with, with Dolph. You guys can talk about it. Go here you go. He'll talk. He'll talk to you. And then I got put in the ring with somebody else. So I found out later had never trained to wrestle. 
Oh, wow. <laughs> and wow. I remember locking up with him and like saying, give me a couple and boom, boom, um, watch the tackle. And he said to me, what? And I knew I was in trouble. And instead of eating <laughs> him up, I think Arn just gave him a rig and said, get out. And I was like, oh, shit, I ruined my chance. Uh, and and uh, when when was this? Uh, this was 2008. Oh, okay. So, all right. Yeah, years before. And I remember afterward, uh, Johnny Laranitis comes. He's like, yeah, we like your look. But uh, uh, I was bald at the time. And he's like, I think you should grow your hair. So I think for the next, like, uh, half a year, I, I grew my hair out. I looked like Fozzie Bear. I did. Like had like a little thinning spot way up here, it just looked <laughs> ridiculous. And I, I shaved it, and I just said, oh, you know what? They don't want me. They don't want me. Was there ever a time uh, before you ended up getting in? You know, maybe when when you had to uh, completely take care of your kid, or you know, something like that. But was there ever any moment where you were like, ah, like fuck this? I don't know if I can, if I should even be doing this. I got to focus on other things. You know, where where you basically were considering giving up on wrestling altogether. Um, I think I always liked it enough uh, where I was fine just doing it on the weekends. Like, I just had fun. Do you like, think if fun. you if you didn't make it to the WWE, would you still be uh, wrestling on the weekends if you never made it pro? Uh, maybe. I don't, I don't know. Uh, the, the funny thing is, uh, um, even when I was on the road or with WWE, with the developmental, um, I think it was three months before uh, me, Brody, and uh, Wyndham got called up to the road as the Wyatt family. Um, I had said to my wife at the time, I said, because we had done a WrestleMania, I had to take out an Amscot loan because they, they were all, they were paying you seven hundred fifty bucks a week to support a family of three, uh, including yes. you pay your own, you know, your own. Uh, place and car and transport and i remember um they had a lot of us go to wrestlemania 29 for access which is basically we would go we'd wrestle matches like at the signings and stuff before wrestlemania and uh i remember having to take on as amscot loan and that was the first time i had to take out a loan just to kind of live paycheck to paycheck while working for wwe and that to me that just seemed ridiculous and i'd already been down there for a couple of years 2011 to about 2012 i'd already had one acl surgery which sidelined me for six months uh so i basically said if i don't get signed within three months i'm gonna have to quit i can't afford it yeah. i'm gonna have to go back and get a job because like it, it just ain't gonna work out I didn't tell anybody that except for um, at home at the time. And within two months, we were on the road. So to me, things just happen when they happen, and you, you got to go with it. Well, and I, I think, you know, a lot of people are, are uh, probably under the perception that it's like, oh, this, this guy uh, made it pro. He's in the WWE. Now he's going to be, you know, he's, he's filthy rich. He's loaded. And uh, it just doesn't uh, – <laughs> It does not seem like the case. And, and $750 a week, uh, in theory, I mean, what is that, three grand a month? It, it sounds uh, okay, but, uh, you know, a family of three. And, and at the time, I mean, you know, how old were you? That this You would have been, uh, what, 30 years old or something? Um, Probably. Yeah, I mean, that's just, uh, you know, 30 years old making 750 a week is just not an ideal situation for, for 
uh, anyone, let alone someone with, you know, a family of three. Yeah. Also, you know, you know, I don't, I don't like to hold ill will toward anybody, but you know, during this pandemic, I, I joke around, you know, cause a lot of guys have just signed big contracts like uh, the good brothers. And I, I like to joke around, uh, especially with guys like that, because they said that they were like, go during a pandemic. And, uh, the, the, the fact that, uh, they're signing people right now, but signing them to way less deals. Uh, I like to think like the good brothers contracts, you know, probably paid for another 20 people to come on board. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, it, it's just, uh, it's, it's crazy. And I, you know, I am not a, uh, I'm not even a huge, uh, wrestling guy. So I'm not like a, an expert or, or anything, but, um, I kind of actually started getting into it when the pandemic hit, I was into it when I was a kid. Um, and then I kind of got out of it, whatever. But, you know, I kind of got into it right before the pandemic hit. And, uh, you know, I started watching the matches when there was, like, nobody there. And I was like, maybe it's just because I, you know, am, am not, like, a diehard or something. But it, they became, uh, I, I don't know, this just was not nearly as interesting. Uh, you know, I kind of compare it to a, I went to a drive-in concert. Uh, I've talked about it on the show before. But I went to a drive-in show. And just, uh, you know, it was cool, but the, but the vibe just wasn't there. Um, you know, it felt like, I don't even know, it was just not, it wasn't very entertaining, you know? I, I, I tend to agree with that. You know, but I, I think uh, AEW, uh, they have people actually in the crowd now, I think, right? Yeah, um, I saw that. And, you know, the, the funny thing with wrestling is it caters to all different people. Uh, and it always has. Uh, so it's what sucks about, let's say, a Raw with its three hours is somebody that sits through a three-hour show, they're only going to like, some of the audience is only going to like an hour to 45 minutes of that show because it's not tailored to every single person. Yeah. They're trying to get different people from different audiences. And the same goes for AEW. Like, I'll, I'll try to watch some stuff on there, and I get turned away from it because I particularly am not a fan of certain things. But then when other things come on, I'll turn it on and I'll watch it, or I'll go back and I'll watch, you know, like certain matches. Um, but trying to keep everybody's attention, you know, in this day and age, it's so hard. Uh, especially, like, uh, you know, a lot of these TV shows, you know, you know what you're getting into, you know, you know what you're getting into. If you, if you watch like an evil dead, you know, yeah. like the movie, or if you, if you watch like, uh, uh, what's, what's the, what's the, the CSI shows, you know what you're getting into. And it's, it's, it's hard to, to get ratings when you turn it on. It's basically just a smorgasbord. It's just, you hope when you turn it on, it's something you like, otherwise you're going to turn the channel. Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I'm not like, uh, I'm not one of those people that, you know, I know some guys where it's like, have you seen, you know, and you can name any show and they're like, oh, I, I've seen the, the whole thing. But I think the last show that I watched that like fully captivated me from beginning to end, I think it, there's like three seasons out, but was um, Ozark on Netflix. That was like, I think, I feel like the last show where, you know, at least 90% of it, I was very interested in, but you know, most shows, yeah, they don't, uh, there's always weak spots in them. Yeah, I've been, I've been, I heard about the show called The League that was out for seven seasons, uh, a comedy uh, about fantasy football, 
and I heard it was uh, comparable to uh, Workaholics. So I decided to give it a watch. And now I'm on season seven. It's almost over. And I'm very disappointed. It sucks when you find a good show and, uh, and it's over. Yeah. The season's end. Uh, so, uh, well, real quick, I guess, how did you feel about um, WrestleMania this year? You know, with the pandemic and the the way that things were done with the the Boneyard match and uh, the Firefly Funhouse and and things like that. Um, I'm I'm glad they used my image residual. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, I'm, you know, like uh, for what it was, like I went back and I saw the the Undertaker's uh, match. I mean, it was cool. Uh, you know, it was like a like watching a little movie. You yeah, know? yeah. Uh, they spent money on the Metallica song. I see. Oh yeah, <laughs> no kidding. Good for them, I'm glad they did that. <laughs> uh, but as far as like uh, uh, the Bray Wyatt's match with uh, Cena, I like that just wasn't my cup of tea. That just kind of, you know, it it just too 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 much, I, too much money. I, I agree. It was very like comic booky and and over the top, silly. Like I, I know, I know we, I, I know they try to say wrestling is is fake, but I think that kind of just throws it in people's faces, and I think that's part of the reason why people can't take wrestling seriously. Is like you watch wrestling. Uh, for the stories and you think these guys are going to hurt each other. You don't think these guys generally dislike each other. Yeah. Like to me, to me, that's what wrestling is. You have to have two people with a genuine dislike for each other that captivate you and make you want to watch them tear each other's heads off. And you either like one of them or you like the other, but you have overwhelming feelings for one or the other. And for the most part, and I say the most part, that's lacking today. Yeah. Well, and I, I think, uh, you know, like I said, I, I'm not a huge wrestling guy, but I, I uh, when I do watch it, I'm, I'm always, uh, I guess I'm, I get more attracted to WWE because of the names uh, and that it's more familiar to me. But when I watch AEW, even though I, I don't exactly know everyone that's in the ring, it, it does, I, I don't know, it, it seems much more interesting to me. Um, you know, and it seems a little bit more, uh, not realistic, but th- it just seems more real, I guess, than, than some of the WWE stuff I see today. But back, you know, when you were in the, in the, uh, the Wyatt family, did you ever feel overshadowed, um, by, by Bray's character and, and all of that? Uh, so yeah, me and, uh, Brody like to talk a lot about this, who is Luke Harper with, uh, WWE. Yeah. Uh, um, how we always wished we were a little bit more than minions and had a little bit more character as far as not just the background. Cause that's what the way it was usually churned in to be is we were in the background. We were the big, um, follies for whenever he would have a feud. The person he was feuding with would have to get past the two of us, um, in a wrestling competition or in other ways. And we never got a chance to kind of explain why, why, why are we following him? Like, who are these people? Uh, yeah, you guys I were kind of there. They would have explored that because with within wrestling, you can have that mystery, but I think they tried to hold on to the mystery a little bit too long. Yeah, and then they just said, "Okay, well, we don't need to explain it." So the backstory so, was never provided. We never had that. Uh, obviously, in my head, I had all these ideas. 
and uh, that's all you have at that time is just time to, to think about who this character is and where he's from. And then when they take you from one gimmick and throw you another without explaining it, you're like, okay, how would I explain this in my head? So then I tried to connect all the dots as to what I was doing, um, which I found out later was very good for trying to, to learn how to build a character within acting. Uh, yeah, for <laughs> but, sure, for sure. But uh, yeah, I was always constantly in my head trying to think about if I get the chance to explain it, how do I want to present it? And I think I had to wait. Um, we got on the road early 2012, 2013, and it wasn't until 2019 where I got a tiny chance to start talking and explaining myself. That's a long time to wait to speak. That is a very long time. And it might have been a little bit too long to have, because most fans would have just tuned in and not known that history. And that's what kind of sucks um, with wrestling. Like the diehards might get it, but then the casual fans, they're still trying to understand what you're trying to put together. Well, and then you had the, the you know, the, the cage thing with the spider. And I, I don't want to dwell on that too much because I, I know you talk about it frequently. But I, I uh, saw when I was uh, researching for this, uh, you had an idea um, you know, rather than the mechanical spider, uh, you had the idea for uh, Ma Petit from American Horror Story uh, to be in the cage. And, you know, when I heard that, I was just like, oh, my God, this is so much more, uh, you know, interesting uh, you know, than a spider. And uh, when you went and pitched that idea, uh, you know, because it is uh, the idea, I guess, in theory, sounds very over the top. You know, but were you were you uneasy like pitching that idea? Like I don't know, they might think I'm a little fucking crazy for bringing this up. Um, actually, I was professional about it, and I wrote it all down. Um, I was sure to explain that I was locking her in the cage, um, not because I'm a, a a guy who's trying to you know lock up a woman in a cage, but right. because she is voluntarily being locked in because I know how terrible the world is because of how bad I've been treated throughout the years within WWE. And I went on to explain to him that, you know, with the, with the Bludgeon Brothers, I was slapped in the face repeatedly by an older abusive brother. Uh, with Daniel Bryan, I was repeatedly upstaged and, and never got a chance to speak. And then I went back to the, the cult. I said I was brainwashed, you know, and constantly ridiculed and was the joke of the family, kind of like uh, Bubba uh, Leatherface in Texas Chainsaw movies, um, was always just kind of berated by his brother yeah. and his family. And I said, I know how horrible the world is. I'm protecting her from it. So we would have this special relationship. And I, even in the thing, I said, you only need her for one day. We would film two or three weeks of television backstage after the reveal on live television, which we would build a slightly larger cage to fit her comfortably. But the fans wouldn't know because it would just be slightly larger. And I remember being very excited about the pitch um, because it was the only thing in my head that would have captivated the audience at that moment and made them care. And then I was very excited because in wrestling, there's never a, a final, there's never a finality. And because the wrestlers always have to come back. Yeah. So I wanted something horrible to happen to her. You, you, off camera you don't need to see it and then you would g give me a chance to actually act like i lost something yeah and act and upon the, the rage that you feel inside and then, 
Yes. So the reason that I was quiet and now I can have this character development and go either way, either be a baby face or a heel, but I would have purpose for whatever I do next. Well, when you pitch this idea, I mean, uh, who do you pitch the idea to? So at the time, um, Heyman, uh, was the creative, uh, the head of creative for raw. So you pitch it to him and then he tells you he's talking to Vince about it. What is the, what's the, what's his initial reaction when you pitch this? I mean, is he so even remotely on board with the idea or is he oh, like, he, he, he loved it. So is Vince the one that, that put a stop to it and said, no way. See, I can't, I can't say it was, was him because Vince was only around, um, during that time maybe once every like three or four weeks. Okay. So my pitch had to go directly to Heyman instead right. of, instead of Vince, which, you know, another thing that just, it kind of sucked because I'd, I'd love to say it was Vince is the one that tore it down. I would love to say Heyman just never gave it to him, but I don't know the facts and no. I know who I gave it to. And, you know, people can say in hindsight, yeah, um, you know, this would have been great, but when you're there and you actually pitch it and you do it to the right people, and there's genuine excitement about it. And then you're told what it is. It's, it's, it's very defeating. Yeah. Sure. And then you start to wonder, well, did the writers even know about this pitch outside of like the three people you talked to? Cause there's like a whole bunch of writers. And then did any of those people like try to even fight for it? Like, cause if he was there every week, I would have fought for it. Well, and it's just, it's, it's so much more of an interesting concept. And I, and I think you had another idea of, you know, putting things in the cage. I, I think whoever you were going to uh, be in the ring with that week, you know, whatever their worst fear was, like Pennywise from from it. Um, you know, and both of those concepts are, are just, uh, I just think there's so much that, that could have been done with them and they could have gone in so many different directions. Uh, it just, uh, it's beyond me why, why that was never, uh, put in well, motion. Yeah. The, the Pennywise pitch was funny because that one was kind of like me backpedaling when they said, okay, it is the, you know, like the tarantula and it was me basically saying, okay, well, how can I save this? Yeah. And make it more interesting. <laughs> than it and is. There's, nothing, there's nothing better than saving it by, uh, you know, churning what the fans think it is to something completely different. Well, and then when you when you get released from the WWE, was it? Uh, I mean, was it like a crushing blow, or was it almost uh, not a sense of relief? But because obviously, I mean, that is a, a huge life changing moment. But you know, did you feel like you know maybe now you have more freedom to do things, or uh, was it you know more bittersweet type of thing, or how, how did how did that go? Um, it's funny because like to me, like. I was a lifer. Like I would have, I would have done anything for that company. I, I worked, I worked before COVID. Obviously I worked sick. I, I worked hurt. Um, I've had four surgeries for that company. Uh, I did everything. I, I came to work, you know, with like a torn shoulder, like still putting on matches. I tore my rote, you know, my, uh, tendon and my, my elbow. Um, and I came in and I, I wrestled a 20 minute match the two days later like to give up the belts. So to me, I would, I would have done anything. Um, yes. I, I wanted to get out and do other things um, and was hoping that I could do things on my days off, but that's not too realistic with WWE and their crazy schedule. Uh, but uh, I think the initial shock was kind of just a uh, disappointment 
as to, uh, you know, you give and give and give, but you're not really appreciated for it. Like that's kind of like the thought process and I get everyone's released or whatever. And, you know, on that list, there were a few surprises and there were a a few that just weren't being used and it, it sucks because you were always used, you know what I mean? And you thought you were doing the best, you know, job you could, but at the end of the day, I wouldn't have, would I have ever had the guts to, to leave? And I think that's what I tell myself. And I look at myself and I say, no, I don't think I would have had the guts to leave. You know, there's times like with the cage, I was unhappy, but I did my job and I never tried to, to show my unhappiness at work because I knew things get bad, but things get better. And to me, them kicking me out the door, um, basically said to me, okay, well, what do I want to do? And luckily I got that call and kind of was told, okay, I know what I want to do. How do I get there? And now it's just that journey of, of, of getting there. And it's, I'm not, I'm not a stranger to it. It's something I'm used to. And if I want to wrestle, I, there's plenty of opportunities to wrestle other places. And I take them when I can, because I like to wrestle. Uh, but as far as that, that creativity and that stuff that I'm lacking, like right now, like in WWE, I never like had this creativity and never got to use it with acting. You get to use it. And the only one to blame for yourself is you, uh, I think some of the funnest times I've had since being released are are just doing auditions because I'm acting. I may not get the roles, but I'm, I'm doing this, this acting in getting this practice and getting these reps. Nobody sees it except for these casting directors who need to take a chance on somebody, you know, and it's just doing stuff like that right now. And to me, it's rewarding and no one sees it, but to me, it's rewarding. Do you have any other uh, films coming up or anything that uh, obviously I'm sure you can't say anything, but is there anything else coming up uh, besides ghosts of the Ozark? Uh, I may or may not have filmed a couple things, but I can't just talk <laughs> about them right now. Well, I guess we'll, we'll, uh, we'll wait and see. Well, now that uh, Brody is in AEW and, and I'm sure your uh, no compete clause with the WWE is up. Has that ever been a, uh, uh, has there been a, I'm sure there's been thought, but has there ever been like an actual discussion about maybe trying to do something or no? I think I've made it pretty clear in other interviews that, uh, you know, as much fun as AEW would be, um, the whole reason uh, me and Brody kept putting back together is because people always saw us as a unit. And now that he's doing so well on his own, why would I want to go? and try to like squish and try to compete for that almost almost step on his toes in a way like let him do what he does you know in the future would it be nice to go to aew for a one or two month run and have a massive feud where maybe somebody loses a beard yes that would be great you know how awesome it would be to get 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 booked in a role where i have to shave my beard and then go and make some money with my friend uh in in a competitive feud uh trying to lose a beard that would be great and fans would dig it up uh because when's the last time you saw like a hair versus beard match or uh, you, you you haven't seen that sure. since uh i think kurt angle's last one i've seen he's been bald ever since yeah uh well one last thing uh before we uh wrap it up uh was there anything 
uh, in the WWE, like one thing specifically that, that you felt that, that you really wanted to accomplish, uh, but you didn't get the chance to. I mean, you've had such a great career, and I mean, obviously doing WrestleMania with The Rock, even though it was only like six seconds or whatever. But, you know, I mean, there, you've, had, you've done so many great things, but was there one thing in particular that, that you wish you could have had the opportunity to, to do? Yes, I wanted a singles uh, win in a championship match. It doesn't have to be the Universal Championship, Heavyweight Championship. It could have been the Intercontinental. It could have been the U.S. Championship. Or it could have been the last pitch I had two weeks before I got let go. I pitched, and I'm telling you this, I wrote this down. I have proof of it. Uh, I sent it to a writer. I, I pitched uh, the fact that the spider had died. It was my last stitch effort after they refused everything. Have me just completely shut down. Go to TV every week. Uh, and when I finally do, uh, people come up and say, what's wrong? Just start beating the crap out of this random people until a person of authority who they finally got an authority figure, I guess says, you can't do this. This is wrestling. If you touch one more person, you're going to get, you know, fired or whatever. And this is before I got fired. Obviously Maybe I shouldn't use that word for him. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, uh, my pitch was the next week I would go and I would beat the crap out of like whoever had, the. Uh, I think it was Rennick Moss at the time. He had the um, 24-7 championship. I would beat the crap out of him. But then behind me would come a ref, and I just put my foot on him, one, two, three. I, and then as the guy came up to me, what are you doing? I would just hold the belt up. And and you know what I mean? Yeah, I, can do yeah. this every, I can do this every week kind of thing. Leave. And for every week, I would just keep doing it until the guy like had no choice. Uh, but a baby face would come and try to you know, compete against me, they would keep losing until they challenged me to a fight that has rules for the 24 seven title. And, and then the baby face would win. And then that would at least continue some sort of story and development with me. And what, what was their thoughts when you pitched that to them? Well, this is, I'll never forget it. Cause I, I saved, I saved the email. They said they had big plans for Riddick Moss. That's it. That's all they said. <laughs> And then a week later, I think Gronkowski won it. Oh so, <laughs> so it sounds like you just uh, couldn't even catch a break. Uh, everything, no, you, everything you presented I, was shot down. I, I think that 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 uh, that stuff where you're pitching things and trying to be interesting within yourself and stuff just not you know sticking, kind of just you know in retro retro you know site kind of just says okay well they didn't really want you there to begin with because they didn't want, you know, to have you succeed in any, any kind of way, which to me is mind boggling. Cause you know, I don't look like every other human. Uh, I'm six, eight, 340 pounds. Like I'm definitely uh, not, you know, somebody you see just walking down the street. Uh, so the fact that they have nothing for me uh, was, was quite silly. Yeah, I mean that's uh, that that is a bummer because I, I think uh, I mean you have a legion of fans. I'm sure everybody would have loved to uh, see where where things could have went. Oh yeah, but you know the future is the future, and uh, the past um, is the past until they merge again. 
Uh, well, uh, Joseph, thank you so much for uh, coming on. I really appreciate it. Make sure you check out uh, Ghost of the Ozark, uh, hopefully coming out uh, some point in 2021, and we will be right back on the Crash Report. Hang on. Like and subscribe to the show so we can spam your notifications with new episodes, clips, and some BS you don't care about. We're back to the Crash Report. All right, we are back here on The Crash Report. You can watch the show on YouTube, the video version. You can also listen on Spotify, Apple, iHeartRadio, a ton of other places. Uh, make sure you go to YouTube and uh, not only give us a like and subscribe, but give a like and subscribe to Coral Gaming, K-O-R-L Gaming. Not to be confused with the uh, new Coral Gaming with the little kid. Yeah, if you see the little kid, you're in the wrong place. Go go look at it again. Just look for the one with uh, more subscribers. Yeah, that's all you need to know. You'll see more subscribers, and it's like, boom, that's me. Uh, I don't really want to get into it, but did you see that uh, Tim Lambesis from As I Lay Dying in the hospital? I did not see that. You didn't see that? No. Seriously? Yeah, seriously. I did not know no. that. Yes. <laughs> He's in the hospital. He's got, uh, I guess, burns to 25% uh, of his body. Oh, what the fuck happened? Yeah, uh, I guess he was trying to light a fucking bonfire, and the gas cap fell off of the thing, and he got caught on fire. Oh shit! I guess I got to change the band name to As I Lay Frying now. <laughs> How long were you holding that one? On? Oh man, <laughs> I was uh, looking at this, and that, God, there were so many funny comments. I mean, I seen another one that uh, if you're not familiar with As I Lay Dying, the singer. Uh, I don't think a lot of pe people feel, feel bad for this guy necessarily because a few years ago he tried to hire a hitman to kill his wife. Of course, you remember that debacle, Trent. Yeah, yeah, I remember. That's why I was just like, oh, as I lay down, it's like, am I, it's like, am I supposed to be saying, like, oh, man, I feel bad for <laughs> the guy? <laughs> I don't know what to say uh, about it. You know, their last record was called Shaped by Fire. So I guess uh, <laughs> even the article where I read this was Yahoo, totally unrelated to music. And uh, they even made the joke of how ironic that he's in the hospital with Burns and their last album is called Shaped by Fire. <laughs> that is irony at its best. <laughs> uh, the other, the, I think the best one, though, was someone was like, uh, oh, man, this guy should be the new lead singer for <laughs> Upon a Burning Body. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, oh, my God. Uh, yeah, that's the only reason it's, uh, it's uh, we're, we're poking fun is because uh, the guy is a little crazy. Yeah, right. <laughs> I mean, other than that, it's like, you know, I do feel bad for the guy. You know, it's like that. Well, he's going to be all right. I yeah, mean, but that's. I mean, you know. <laughs> yeah. I guess you could say it's karma. Yeah, exactly. What goes around comes around, <laughs> I guess. Uh, so last week, uh, was it last week? Yeah, I guess last week, Cyberpunk 2077 came out. And it has been a roller coaster. It has been. So uh, we will get to that in just a few moments. So stick around for that because uh, there is a lot to talk about. And I'm telling you, even if you're listening to the show and you're like, Jesus Christ, I, I don't want to hear about gaming. I'm telling you, you don't even. This is uh, beyond gaming news. This is huge fucking news. Uh -huh. uh, we'll get to that in a moment. But before we get to that, uh, there's a game show. Uh, I think it's over in the U.K., 
Uh, it's called uh, The Wheel. It's hosted by this uh, comedian, Michael McIntyre. And uh, last weekend, they did a, uh, there was an episode of the game, and there was no winners. <laughs> Nobody won. Yeah, it's, uh, you win money, and not a single fucking person won. That sounds like the funniest thing ever. <laughs> well, I'll tell you, I, I wasn't even going to uh, talk about this, but then I, I started looking into it, and this fucking game show has the most convoluted fucking rules, and, and the whole layout of the game, it doesn't even make sense at all. It's uh, it's way too complicated, in my opinion. Okay, because we're just hearing this, because I don't know really much about this game show. I'm thinking like, oh, these both of you suck. None of you get any money. <laughs> no, it's it's uh yeah, it's not like um God, I I, I I'm probably gonna fuck this up because I do not watch game shows. But uh-huh. I think on like traditional game shows like um, Wheel of Fortune or Jeopardy or something. Uh-huh. Um, isn't it like it, you don't lose all of your money if you get a wrong answer, do you? I, I mean, unless it's uh, whatever the part in Jeopardy is where you like you place a bet or whatever. Yeah, or like in the Wheel of Fortune, isn't there a bankrupt? Yeah, I guess. Yeah, but but normally you don't lose all the money if you just get a wrong answer. Right. Okay, so this game it's called the Wheel, and there, so there's seven celebrities that assist the contestants. There's three contestants, mm-hmm. and they assist them with their knowledge of subjects. So there'll be a guy there f- with, uh, I guess, who, quote-unquote, is an expert on dating. Now, they call these people celebrities. I watched part of the first episode. The only one I was familiar with was Mel B from the Spice Girls. Oh, okay. I think she was Scary Spice. The rest of them, I've never heard of. But So she was there. I guess they had a whole subject on Spice Girls, there was a dating one, a fashion one, a World War II one, hmm. so on and so forth. So you have these celebrities that are on a wheel, hence the name The Wheel. Okay. So there's seven of them around in a big circle. And then under that, like literally under them, is the contestant wheel, okay? Okay. And there's three contestants. Uh-huh. And this show gives you fuck, it makes you fucking dizzy. So they, <laughs> uh, you have the three contestants. They spin the contestant wheel around, and so whoever uh, you know, one one contestant's randomly chosen, okay, and then they rise up to the celebrity wheel, okay, okay. So then, uh, and if you, if you're a fan of the show and I'm fucking this up, feel free to tell me down below in the comments. But you um, you get your question, and then you have to pick who you think would be the least knowledgeable on that topic, right? Uh-huh. <laughs> so then when you pick that person, they like X that person out. There's like a red light over them or whatever. So then they spin you around. Okay. This is like, <laughs> I'm getting giz- dizzy. Just <laughs> hearing you talk saying. about this, it. This whole fucking thing is so convoluted and there's so much spinning going on. Okay. <laughs> so when they spin you around, if you land on the expert of that subject, the question is worth ten thousand dollars or ten thousand euros, whatever. Mm. If you land on the person that's xed out, you're immediately out, I believe, and you have to go back down. <laughs> you lose all your progress, Damn. and then they, you know, they spin the contestant wheel again, and somebody else comes back up. Does each contestant get a puke bucket? Like they, they fucking should. <laughs> they should. But yeah, last week, uh, December the December twelfth episode. Nobody won. Okay. And so uh, Michael McIntyre, the host, said, he goes, 
This show is supposed to raise the mood of the nation. This is worse than Newsnight. This is so depressing. We never thought nobody would win. It maybe came up in one meeting, and then we were like, nah. And with, a, with, a, uh, with the rules being that intricate and complex, I mean, how, do you, how does that even happen? on a game? How do you set the game so that that could even be a possibility? I, I don't know. I mean, poor, piss poor planning. I, I mean, seriously, <laughs> because, uh, I mean, there's just, there's so many, like, I, I don't know. I, I was reading comments when I was watching it and, uh, people were saying that they don't even think the host even knew the fucking rules and they were like <laughs> making shit up as they went along. Yeah. It sounds, it's, it sounds like they should just stick to something simple. I don't know why. A game show needs to go this fucking out of the way to do all this co- complicated shit. <laughs> I wrote down all the rules here that I just read, and I'm like, I still can't even wrap my fucking head around it. Uh-huh. <laughs> I mean, it's ridiculous. I think the sound show might be better if they just spin around a contestant and a celebrity blindfold and give them a baseball bat, and whoever beats each other has more wins money. <laughs> what? <know? laughs> Where the fuck did they come from? I don't know. Just random thoughts. <laughs> <laughs> what? Don't you imagine okay, walk, walk me through this. Okay. Now. So walk me through put this. a blindfold on a contestant and a celebrity, right? Okay. Spin up. Just spin so, around. Okay. So I'm the contestant. You're the celebrity. Sure. Okay. okay so you're going to blindfold. Yeah. We're both going to get spun around. Okay. Okay. We both get a baseball bat. Are you blindfolded? Yes. We're all blindfolded. So we're both blindfolded. Yeah. All right. All right. Then whoever wins this bat, Disney's battle gets money. <laughs> what? So imagine us. What? What? It, wait. What is so hard to understand about this? I just don't even understand where the fuck that came from. It's just some random ass shit, man. <laughs> so we both we're both blindfolded. Well, you would win, obviously. I mean, beat my ass with the baseball bat. Although I don't know. I'll tell you what. We uh, we filmed this show on GoPros, and if you've ever used a GoPro, the uh, the cases that they come in. Oh, my God. They are so fucking hard to get out of the cases. Are they not? Oh, fuck these cases, dude. Yes. You have to, there's this tab up top that you have to pull. And uh, I have to use the side of my thumb because I feel like it's going to rip my fucking thumbnail off. Mm-hmm. And uh, Trent, mind you, if you're new to the show, I'm crippled. <laughs> Trent is not. And Trent couldn't even get the fucker open. I had to do it for him. So maybe I would win in the baseball bat <laughs> fight. Who knows? <laughs> that just uh, that feel that feels like an idea that you've had for quite some time, because you just all. spewed it out of nowhere. Like you've yeah. been sitting on that. But you can go pitch that idea to uh, the game show network or whatever. Well, clearly that show ain't going to survive. I might as well pitch it, right? Yeah, because the the wheel is going to go away because it's it's uh, very poor planning. And speaking mm. of poor planning, Cyberpunk twenty seventy seven. Oh yeah, arguably. The game of the decade, mm-hmm. or the most hyped game of the decade, uh, the decade, I should say. Yeah. Uh, maybe maybe uh, just under a Rockstar game, GTA or something like that. Mm-hmm. So Cyberpunk 2077 comes out on December 10th, so eight days ago. Prior to the release, they were only showing the PC version. If you were reviewing the game, anybody that reviewed the game, you were not allowed to use your own footage until release day. And, you know, mind you, they kept pushing this game back because they uh, were trying to, they wanted to get it ready to go so that it could be playable uh, across all platforms. Mm-hmm. Um, but as you know, the most, the, the next generation of consoles, the PS5 and the Xbox Series X came out 
uh, about a month ago. And they, they don't even have versions for that. So if you're playing on those new consoles, you're playing the last-gen version, and the game is unplayable. I mean, the game is, is fucking unplayable. Trent, you don't have the game, though, do you? No, I'm thankful that uh, I chose the other way to go. And it's like, I ain't touching this game until it comes out for PS5. <laughs> well, I'll tell you, I, I got it, and the game has crashed on me five or six times. And, and we have PS5s. So. Yes, we have PS5s. So outside of PC, I'm playing the best version of the game. Mm. And I mean, granted, it's still the PS4 version, but um, I mean, it's crashed five times. I mean, I I went to play it the other night. It was, it was, um, it was earlier this week. And I was like, this is the first night where I have actual like time that I can put into the game. Mm -hmm. And within three minutes, I I started a mission As, as soon as I fired the gun before the bullet even left the gun, the game froze up and crashed. <laughs> Son of a bitch. And I was like, fuck this, I'm playing Call of Duty. Uh-huh. But now, uh, CD Projekt Red, the developers, uh, so they issued a thing, a, a statement saying that you could get refunds. Yep. Um, if you had the digital version, you could request a refund. And then it said, if you have a uh, physical copy, you can take it back to where you got it and try to get a refund. Well, I think all this is a big, you could try. <laughs> well, now Sony has removed it from the PS Store. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, it, it's not uncommon, I guess. Games get removed all the time from the store. But a game of this level, God, I got something in my eye, and it's, it's uh, my eye is killing me. Oh, shit. Um, games of this, uh, this level, this status, and with as much hype of, as this, it's just not something you see very often. I mean, this is just a fucking disaster. No, I mean, that, that must really show how many phone calls Sony was getting saying, I want a refund. Well, and, you know, CD Projekt Red says uh, we should have put more. I, I don't have it in front of me, so this is not verbatim. But, you know, basically we should have put more into the PS4 and Xbox One versions of the game. Well, it's, well it's, what, what do you mean? I mean, that's that's the only versions of the game other than, like, the con- or the PC version and what, how do you not know that the game is unplayable before you release it? Well, the problem is they started this in 2012. Yes. So you were making this for PS4 and Xbox One. Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, especially a company like this where they put out The Witcher 3, which is, you know, highly regarded as like one of the greatest games of all time, one of the best RPGs in history. One of the, definitely, you know, probably top 10 games for the most recent generation of consoles. I don't understand how you shit the bed this bad. I, I really don't. I think I think part of them wanted to hold it back more. I don't know if it was like just a money thing. They were in too deep and they needed to get the fuck out or shareholders or what it was. But well, I don't know because I, I'm pretty sure they broke even on the game. or may, They might have even profited just from pre-orders. Yeah, because they made all of their money back. That That's what the news was like. They made every penny back just from pre-orders. I heard that the last, because um, I think prior to the December 10th release, uh, it was going to release on like November 20th or something, right around Thanksgiving, right before Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. And I heard that that final, um, that final delay was due to the game like not passing uh, like quality assurance stuff like it, it wasn't me it wasn't up to the requirements needed it still isn't up to the requirements let's be honest I don't no know. i mean the game looks okay on a ps5 
Yeah. Um, I think it's um, it's like slightly above 1080. Um, obviously, it's not the PS5 version, so that's understandable. Yeah. But um, I've seen the, like, if you have a base PS4, I, I think the game is, like, completely unplayable. Like, I could make it through the game mm-hmm. as it is right now. But I have considered getting a refund. And you know how much that, I mean, you know how, it pains me to say that because you know how much I've been hyped for this game oh yeah yeah that's why i told you he's like is this gonna live up to the hype man i'm holding back on it's like i don't think it will <laughs> no and, and i i uh it definitely did not i mean of course to be fair the hype for that game was uh, it was too high yeah i mean it would be uh impossible to for anything to to live up to those ridiculous expectations yeah, I think so because it was everybody wanted it to be the best game in history. Like, yeah, and and uh, yeah, I mean that's just that's not going to happen. But you know, maybe this is a thing. Over time, it becomes a great game because I didn't play The Witcher at launch, but I heard there was some issues with it. I don't think they were quite as bad as this. Mm-hmm. But I, I just I don't know. I, I mean, I, I am very bummed. But the fact that Sony removed it from the store, I mean, that was mind boggling. Right, like I said, they must have gotten so many phone calls, and it's everybody knows that. Have you ever deal with Sony trying to get a refund? No, it, they're just the biggest pain in the ass. You're probably not going to get it. They like refuse and refuse and refuse to give money have back. You, you've tried to get refunds before. It's literally every story I hear about Sony. Like I, luckily, I haven't tried to, but literally every story I've heard of people trying to get refunds, they're like, nope, nope, they they refuse. They will not give me my fucking money back. Well, now I guess they have like a whole thing set up on their website. Where you go there and you submit for a refund and once they uh once they verify that you've purchased the game digitally, mm. they automatically issue you the refund. Oh wow. I mean that's uh I mean this is a disaster. I mean yeah. a fucking disaster. And I guess uh C D Project uh C D Project's red stock prices fucking plunged when this game released. Yeah. I mean, it, it's just, uh, it's, it's horrible. I, I, I don't, uh, I don't understand. They should have waited a year. I think they pushed, uh, the new halo or something back a year. Mm-hmm. It was supposed to come out this fall well, and yeah. they pushed it like to next fall. Yeah. That's what I mean. It's like, I think they just got in too deep with the money and stocks and stuff like that. It's like they had to, they had to put something out there to make everybody happy, but it was like, you just like, no, you can't. Well, they should have waited until there was like a native PS five version and a Series X version. Right. And release then so that, and make sure everything was fucking top notch. Oh, yeah. I completely agree with that. Because I think it's going to be extremely hard for them to come back from this. They did say that no amount of money, like they'll put whatever they need to into the game to fix it because it's, uh, I mean, they don't want their reputation oh, tarnished. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Would you, you, you went from being the best video game of all time to the most disappointing thing of all time. Oh, I know. I mean, this is, I mean, could you imagine being Keanu Reeves, who is like, who's like the, the centerpiece of this game? Uh-huh. If you're unfamiliar, Keanu Reeves, uh, his character, uh, I mean, he's like the, uh, his character is like the anchor of the entire plot of the, sto- of the, of the game. Uh-huh. And that guy is, has been on such a roll lately with yeah. the new Bill and Ted and John Wick 3 last year. He was in Toy Story 4 last year. I mean, and everybody loves the guy. Mm-hmm. And obviously, this is not his fault. But, no. I mean, being attached to... What was that? You, well, I, you all right? That You sound like yeah. you're taking a shit. You're like, no! Because it was like a half burp, and I'm trying to say something <laughs> at the same time. 
<laughs> you all right? You're very uh, like uh, you were burping earlier. You all right? You feeling all right, pal? I'm fine. Yeah, it's got, just my sprites making me burp, man. I don't uh, know what to tell you. I don't know why you drink sprites. Sprites are fucking nasty. McDonald's sprites, though, it's like it's just something special. <laughs> uh, their Coke is very good. Oh I yeah, mean, I, I would imagine their Sprite, if you're a Sprite drinker, might be better than regular Sprite. But uh-huh. Sprite makes me feel sick because. Uh, I, I think it's just like this like subconscious thing because that's what I used to drink when I was sick. Uh, you know, it's like, oh, you have a cold, here's, here's some Sprite or whatever. So now I drink it and I'm like, shit, I'm sick. It was, not, it was, it was never ginger ale for you as Sprite? I mean, I, I think I might have had ginger ale too, but uh, oh, okay. mostly Sprite. And, and uh, I think Coke is good for you if you have stomach problems, I think. Really? I, I would imagine Coke would make things worse. No, I, I, I think it's good for, I don't know, I could be wrong. Uh, but yeah, Sprite. It just it makes me feel like I'm sick. Huh? That's so weird, man. You're the first. I don't know any other person that said that in my life. Anyways, if you can get through a sentence without burping, what were you? What were you going to say? I don't even know anymore because he just <laughs> went off the rails. What was I going to say? Uh, so well, we were talking about Keanu Reeves, and he. I mean, he's just been on such a roll, and you know, like I said, this is uh, no way his fault, but. God, it would be, it had to be such a bummer to be attached to something this fucking disastrous. I wonder how long he's been like done with the uh, putting his voice in the game, though. You know, he might have done that like years ago, and he's just been he hasn't thought about it in forever because he's done working for them. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, do you think they? Uh, I, I don't know. I, I I would imagine they were probably pretty far along when I would say he was uh, like an afterthought. I mean, no disrespect to him, but I would say the idea of adding Keanu Reeves into the game was probably an afterthought. I don't Because, I, don't I mean, know. it's a little ironic. He comes into the game when, like, the his, a huge year for him, and then next thing you know, he's in this huge fucking game. <laughs> I, you know what I mean? I don't think when they uh, were when they announced this in 2012, they were like, oh, we're going to have Keanu Reeves as, as uh, the main character. But, but when did he get so big, you think they hit him up like, oh, we need Keanu Reeves in this? <laughs> Well, I mean, they probably thought he would drive sales, and I guarantee you he did. Uh, I mean, mm-hmm. you know, seeing him in a game, I mean, of course, that's going to drive excitement. But, I mean, just what a shit show. I, I don't even understand how it gets this bad. <laughs> You're telling I, I don't me. think I've ever played a game that's so buggy uh, at release. I mean, I just, I've never played one that bad. Oh, yeah, and, it, and it's like the top of the – it tops it all off. Like everybody says nowadays, like, why don't – companies release a full game why do they release it so early and it's not working right why do they do all this shit it's like this is a prime example don't release a game that's not fucking finished well that's the problem with um with the way things are i mean 15 20 years ago you couldn't update a game Mm -hmm. you know it had to be uh it had to be perfect or damn near perfect and now they have a fucking cushion like Oh, well, yeah, we'll, we'll fix it as we go. You know what I mean? So they have this, uh, I feel like it's made uh, game developers lazy. It really has, honestly. Yeah, I mean, they don't have to perfect things. They have to get it good, but it doesn't have to be great. And I think that's why, uh, and maybe it's because I'm an adult now too, but I feel like games on like the PS2 and PS1 were much more like memorable. Uh, you know what I mean? Uh Yes, I mean, yes and no. I mean, now, I don't know. I guess I just feel like um, I, I, it's it's easier to just move from game to game now. I don't find myself going back to play the same games over and over. I mean, how many, did you have a lot of games as a kid? Like, Tons. 
Really? Tons. Okay, I thought maybe as a kid you were just like limited, like, oh, you only got like a new game like every like, you know, four months. I didn't get new games all the time, but I mean, I would say when I had the PS2, there was uh, probably one point where I had, I don't know, 60, 70 games or something. Mm -hmm. But even now, I still find myself playing the PS2 games on my PS PS4 and PS5. Yeah, I mean, I got, I still got Vice City and San Andreas on my PS5. <laughs> yeah, I mean, because they're classic games, mm-hmm. and I mean, I, yes, people still play GTA Five, but it's. Uh, I feel like once GTA Six comes out, you know, everybody's just going to move on, and they're going to be like, "Oh, done with that." You know what I mean? It's not <laughs> like it was where it's like, "God, you remember how badass San Andreas was?" Or you know what I mean? Do you think it's just like things are just not as innovative anymore? Like, uh, no, I just think it's, uh, well, yeah, I mean, they're certainly not as innovative, similar with movies. Mm-hmm. There's no fucking new ideas anymore. It's all, uh, <laughs> remakes and reboots and sequels and uh-huh. you know what I mean? There's, <laughs> there's no original ideas anymore. I mean, even cyberpunk 2077, I mean, it's based off of a fucking board game. Is it really? I didn't know that. Yeah. It's like a tabletop or like Dungeons and Dragons. Oh, but, okay. but in the future. Oh, um, actually though, and I, I could be wrong, but I feel like the tabletop game might actually take place in 2020. Um, I think they, the, hmm. the video game takes place further in the future than the board game. Well, I, yeah, they have to, if it's, if the board game is 2020, it's just like, well, there's nothing futuristic about it. <laughs> All right. Exactly. <laughs> uh, Trent real quick before we wrap it up, I think there was, uh, something call of duty you wanted to talk about real quick. Oh, do you actually want to talk about it? Yes, go ahead, quickly. Uh, well, I kind of want your input on this. I'll one. give you my input, yes. It's uh, The Call of Duty community is kind of up in flames again with the whole skill-based matchmaking bullshit. Well, explain. If somebody's unfamiliar, explain what it is. So basically, with skill-based mass matchmaking, it's not... It's not random. You like you, you won't if you're a pro, you won't be getting put into a lobby with, let's say, me or Logan. You know, like we're definitely not pros at Call of Duty. Oh hell no! <laughs> oh, I am getting pretty good at free for all. Are you? I am. Yeah. I right, see. See, that's what I'm interested in. That's why I need your opinion on stuff. But yeah, skill based matchmaking makes it so there's it's always going to be fair, and it sounds so simple that way. But it's like everybody gets a partic- participation trophy with skill based matchmaking. Because there's no, you can't be good if you're just facing the same. If you're facing five others of you, you know, it's you're you're just just stuck there. There's well, no growing. There's no downgrade. It's like, oh, and especially for the kids with skill-based matchmaking, they, it makes themselves feel better and look so much better than what they actually are. You know what I mean? Well, it seems a big problem with it would be, uh, let's say that I was like super fucking good, right? Mm-hmm. And you weren't that good. And we were uh, in a party together. Yep. It seems like uh, the problem comes in where, they would do the like the matchmaking based off of me and since you're not very good it would like pitch you against everybody that's like ridiculously good and you know what i mean i mean that seems to be like the problem where it's hard to play with your friends if your friends aren't as good as you because it, oh, ma- yeah. it makes the game way harder because you're playing with people that are way better than your friends oh yeah absolutely because being my friend just did this last week he was like man I, like i just got the game i don't know if, I, if we should play together Cause I won't be able to do good. Cause I'll be facing all these sweaty people that you face. Like that just fucking sucks. There's no fun in call of duty anymore. It's just like, you're sweating your balls off playing this game. You're super hyper focused. It's just like, God damn, you can't just sit back and relax anymore. I mean, I, you know, I don't know. I guess it's hard for me to give my opinion because 
This is the first Call of Duty I've played in 10 years. That's crazy. <laughs> I did not play the new Modern Warfare. I've been, I, I think prior to Cold War, the last one I played was the original Black Ops. Wow. So it's been a very long time. See, I've owned every Call of Duty since Call of Duty 3. Um, I did have, I had Call of Duty 3 and I had the original Modern Warfare. Mm -hmm. And then I kind of stopped after that because I was always a story guy, campaign guy. Yeah. And uh, I'm, you know, I'm not too bad now at free for all. I mean, my fucking, uh, like I, when I say I'm not bad, I, uh, I, I, I die a lot, <laughs> but I, I am consistently like in the top three, but I die a lot. So it's, you know, I, I'm kind of good, kind of not good. Um, but I, I don't know. It's, it's hard for me to give an opinion because uh, I don't really play with friends either. Like, I just kind of hop on and play. For, for me also, for the most part, like, I'm usually playing by myself most of the time. And Well, I find it, uh, I find it better to play with uh, better players because it makes you have to try that much harder and you become that much better. I mean, yes and no. <laughs> like I said, it's just like if I'm a pro and you're coming into my lobby, how like is there? Are you even going to have any fun? Can you really gain anything if you're just getting blasted every two seconds? Well, I'll tell you what. I, I mean, what is crazy to me uh, is you know I'll do these free for alls and uh, I you know and I don't play the other modes, but I think um, in uh, the other modes, I feel like you could probably get points a little more. You get more points easier than in free for all. I would say so. Because there's no objectives in free-for-all. It's just kill every other player. Yeah, if you're looking to get score and get your rank up quicker, then, yeah, you're probably in the wrong thing. <laughs> well, it's, you know, with, like, the score streaks, mm -hmm. um, it's hard, it, very hard in free-for-all to get, um, like, the, the higher-end ones because... Oh, yeah. In any game mode, it's hard to get those higher-end ones. Right, but in free-for-all, I mean, there's no objectives other than kill people and you get 100 points per kill mm -hmm. and free-for-all ends with whoever gets 30 kills first. Mm -hmm. So that's like 3,000 points. Maybe you get a few extra points for destroying equipment or something. True. But, you know, maybe, I don't know, four or 5,000 points is probably the max you could get. So, but I, I do see some people, some players, you know, pull off these wild score streak things in, uh, in free-for-all and, uh, yeah, I'm definitely not that good. <laughs> um... But yeah, I don't know. I mean, but it always seems like there's drama in Call of Duty. Always, it's just it's so weird seeing like this skill based skill based matchmaking in this game. It's like in every other game, you have a ranked playlist and then a casual playlist. Why can't Call of Duty do that instead of putting us all in these sweaty ass lobbies and making us really fucking work and not just lay back and relax? Oh, I do agree with that. I mean, occasionally, uh, not so much anymore. But I used to play Rocket League with a buddy of mine, mm -hmm. and uh, I early on i mean i was not very good at all so we would just do like casual matches together exactly that's how i am with most of my friends because i've gotten to the point where it's like i'm too good for my friends to go play ranked with me yeah well and he didn't want me to fuck up his stats or whatever right, so exactly. that's why we just do casual but yeah i don't know i'm sure uh every week we could probably find cod drama there's always something going on that's a very i feel like the call of duty scene is very a very toxic place uh <laughs> is it toxic I don't know. I think we're very passionate because it's been out for so long. I guess it's probably not as toxic. I think the most toxic community in gaming by far is GTA. Oh, online. yeah. I, I mean, that. God, you hop on that game and 
oh, there's there's always people bitching about it, and the I mean the racist twelve year olds, and it's wild over there. It, oh, well, before we get like off the subject, did you see that story about how? Uh, a YouTuber was reverse boosting in Call of Duty. Like he would make a bet. I don't even know what that is. Okay. So basically the YouTuber is, is basically a pro. So the grass report is now the gaming report. Go ahead. (laughs) But so basically the YouTuber is like pretty much a pro. So he makes a second account that's, and he just like nerfs it. Like he's terrible in that account. So he'll get that account on, join that account's lobby get the old account out of there so he could get content of him just getting like a nuke going 30 and zero for YouTube. Okay. So, but with the skill-based matchmaking, he's facing like basically, you know, a bunch of fucking idiots out there and like people with like one hand and stuff. And that's where the problem comes in. No, here's what, here's (laughs) what do you mean people with one hand? No, like seriously, I'm about to tell you the story. Like he joined a lobby and he destroyed this girl that literally has one, one hand. That's the, that's what skill-based matchmaking protects, and that's the only good thing about it. Like, and, like, li- he literally got caught. Hang on, hang on, hang on. What? What? <laughs> what? What are you even talking about? I don't do even under. I'm so lost right now. The, this guy. What do a- you mean skill-based matchmaking protects people with one hand? Because it's, I assume a person with one hand is probably not going to be as good as other people. Am I wrong? I don't even know how you would play with one hand, I guess. But but legit, like this girl was literally crippled and like could like only play with like one hand. And uh-huh. this dude comes in, came in there and just wrecked her. And then he got called out on Twitter about it. <laughs> like, how would you feel about that, man? <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I mean, I especially, mean, I mean, coming from, you know, somewhat of a cripple, like I don't look at you different, but you are, but you're a cripple. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I, <laughs> I guess if I had uh, one, one arm, I, I guess I would just expect to get my ass beat. But it's skill based matchmaking. You don't expect to, you know, yeah, but even if you're playing, I mean, it doesn't matter if you have one fucking arm, you're going to get your ass whooped by a five-year-old. I mean, you have one fucking arm. But everybody in that lobby should be only as good as you. Everybody should have like a point two KD. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I guess I don't know. I, yeah, I. <laughs> but the, see, all that put every, every YouTuber out of the woodwork, and everybody's admitting like, oh yeah, you know, I do the same thing. Like, I get all this content by going and facing fucking cripples for you guys. Well, to the it's people like, listening, geez. I think what you can take away from this is that uh, skill based matchmaking is there. To protect the crippled, the people with one arm, and that's what it's for. So if you uh, are a part of the uh, boycott, skill-based matchmaking, you're boycotting handicapped people, then, according to Trent. Well, then the rest of us get fucked. They can't just make a ranked playlist and, you know, go play that, and then you're still protecting the same way. So I don't fucking know. Uh, Oh, my God. All right, you can watch the show on YouTube, the video version. You can listen to the show on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, a ton of other places. You can uh, head over to YouTube, not only give us a a, a subscribe, but head over to Coral Gaming, K-O-R-L Gaming, uh, the one with more subscribers and more content. That's Trent's channel. Uh, Give him a subscribe as well. Uh, Thanks for uh, tuning in. Have a great day holiday a great christmas yes. a uh, very happy chinooka <laughs> uh trent any final words just happy holidays everybody happy chinooka merry christmas happy kwanzaa whatever else you're celebrating out there <laughs> yes happy chinooka and we will see you next week uh it's the crash report see ya <laughs>
We'll see you next time on The Crash Report. While you wait, make sure to like and subscribe to the show, damn it. Thanks for listening.